Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And that crunching sound in the background is Bowie. Bowie. <laughs> you got a snack. We don't get snacks. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be doing chapters 74 and 75. Yay. Yeah. I'm excited. You should, you should yay. They're good chapters. Yes. <laughs> Olivier's back, which makes me happy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Although I don't, she was in the last episode, briefly, I think, right? When they came back from the tunnel. Yeah. She yeah. Had her secret soft gooey inside moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to do our usual thing, do our summary recap, and then discuss what's on the pages. Yay. <laughs> I'm excited to do what we always do every time. <laughs> it's exciting every time. It works, okay? Don't try and change it up. <laughs> I'm not trying to change anything. Huh? Yeah. It ain't broke. <laughs> Chapter 74 opens with Ed explaining to Miles and the Briggs soldiers how Kimberly's transmutation circles work. One hand has the symbol for the sun and the other the symbol for the moon, along with opposing triangles that form a hexagram when pressed together. Miles asks if that means they can stop him from transmuting if they disable one of his hands. I think so, Ed says, but he has a philosopher's stone. That makes things a bit trickier. Back at Fort Briggs, the newly arrived Central City soldiers are questioning everyone about the disappearance of Lieutenant General Raven. The Briggs folks say that they don't remember seeing him leave, but even the fort itself can be confusing and dangerous to someone who doesn't know their way. Last I seen him, he and Major General Armstrong were heading down into the lowest level of the fort, alone, Buccaneer says, and the Central soldiers trade a suspicious glance. The suspicious mustache soldiers. Yes. They have a a suspicious mustache, unlike Buccaneer. (laughs) No, he has a a cool mustache. His hair is cool. That's how you know he's cool. (laughs) Meanwhile, Olivier herself has arrived at Central Command. She bumps into Roy in the hallway, and their previously discussed rivalry becomes immediately obvious to all in the vicinity. Mm -hmm. Despite this, they do a walk and talk while they're heading in the same direction, with Roy asking what brings her to Central, then suggesting they get dinner sometime while she's in town. Your treat? Olivier asks. I'll go, provided you don't mind me eating you into bankruptcy. (laughs) Roy changes his mind. Some other time, perhaps. So you're both a coward and a cheapskate. (laughs) Roy instead offers that he can at least send a bouquet worthy of her beauty. After all, there are many excellent flower shops in Central City. Whatever, is all Olivier says, (laughs) waving casually over her shoulder as she continues on her way. Her way, unfortunately, takes her to Fuhrer Bradley's office, where he immediately questions her about Raven's disappearance. She pauses for a moment, then decides it's not worth it to try and lie. Sir, why would a man of your caliber keep such a careless fool by his side? So you killed him? It had to be done, sir. He had a smooth tongue, but his lips were loose enough to sink a fleet. He was a liability, sir. You gave the order, then, the Fuhrer asks. No, sir, I did it with my own hands. Dig up the site if you must. My blood-stained glove is buried with him. Bradley asks what Raven told her, and Olivier lists off the immortal army, the nature of a mistress, the homunculi, and Bradley's true identity. Things that I had never asked him about or had any reason to suspect. And yet you responded to my summons after everything you heard, Bradley asks. Yes, sir, to ask you to bestow upon me the position that was occupied by that fool. Bradley stares at her for a moment, then begins to laugh. Well played. You got nerve. I like it. He stands up and looms over her. Very well. I'll give you his position. In exchange, I'm putting one of my own men in charge of Fort Briggs. Agreed? 
Olivia doesn't flinch. As you wish. I trained the Briggs men myself. I'm sure you'll find them to your liking, sir. With that settled, Olivia enters the ominous meeting room for the in-the-know military high command. Welcome, Major General Olivia Armstrong. Please, take a seat. The door closes decisively behind her. Back at Briggs, Buccaneer and Henschel watch as the Central City interlopers move into their fort. They say you should keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. So the Major General has entered the enemy's lair of her own free will, sir? Henschel asks. Buccaneer confirms it and adds, It won't be long before the suits in Central send a new general to keep an eye on Briggs. But both men scoff at how badly their team is being underestimated. Our true leader may be miles away, but we're still the most disciplined fighting force in Amestris. We keep our cool and we stick together. That's what it means to be a Briggs soldier. But when it's time to act, you can count on us letting him have it. Back in Central, Roy and Riza find each other in the crowded mess hall and begin to talk casually as they eat. Roy notes that Riza seems down, but she insists that she's fine and asks him how his work is going. Just look at me, Roy says, shuffling through papers laid out beside his tray. Since I was deprived of my assistant, I have to resort to doing paperwork over lunch to get caught up. He asks Risa how she's doing, and she says that there are always challenges in a new office, but at least the Fuhrer is very organized and doesn't slack off. <laughs> I don't like where this conversation is going, Roy says, nearly pouting. <laughs> nearly pouting? He's definitely pouting. <laughs> he suggests that they go get something to eat sometime, and Risa points out that they're eating right now. He sighs that he's been rejected twice today. I just ran into Major General Armstrong from up north. She flat out turned me down. She's as cold as ever. Riza takes a sip of her drink, looking like she's considering something, then carefully taps the mug against the table twice as she sets it down, catching Roy's attention. Speaking of the North, she begins, apparently Scar is up there, sir, and I think the Elric brothers went as well. I see, Roy says, looking down and apparently continuing to work on his paperwork. Riza continues to talk casually about people they both know, Roy chiming in on occasion with a response. A completely ordinary conversation, largely drowned out by the background chatter and clatter of dishes all around them in the mess. Eventually, Riza takes another sip from her mug, tapping it again on the table as she sets it down. Then Riza looks up at the clock and says that she should be going back on duty soon. She gets up and says goodbye, carrying her tray off. Roy takes note of the clock, too. Not much time left to use the restroom, he says. And in the bathroom, Roy sits in a stall with his paperwork from lunch held on his knee. He carefully goes over all the names Riza mentioned, which he jotted down as she spoke, taking the first letters in order. As he puts together the message, a look of horror slowly dawns. We then jump over to Dublith, where Mason is currently manning the Curtis's butcher shop. He serves a few customers and sees them off with a wave. Then a vehicle pulls up, and a group of stern-looking soldiers step out. Is the alchemist Izumi Curtis here? They ask. Mason tells them that she and her husband are traveling, and didn't let him know where they were going or when they would be back. Funny way to run a business, one of the soldiers says. Are you sure you aren't trying to hide something from us? I told you, they're not here, Mason says, annoyed. Who are you people, anyway, showing up out of the blue and demanding to see Mrs. Curtis? We're envoys of Fuhrer Bradley. Mason looks surprised, but still insists he doesn't know when they'll be back. And on a nearby rooftop, an eavesdropping Vito perks up at the mention of the Fuhrer. He peers down at the soldiers. Those men, they're the ones who took Master Greed away. The soldiers hand Mason a card and order him to tell Izumi to contact them as soon as she gets back, then get back in the car and drive away. Unbeknownst to them, Beto clings to the undercarriage as they zoom away. Beto. It's Beto. <laughs> Guys. <Yes>. Beto. Anyway. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's that guy from that time. 
He has that tail and With stuff. That tail. <laughs> God, what chapter was that? That wasn't that so chapter, long like, ago. Fifteen or something. I don't know. I think it might have been a little later than that, but not much. <laughs> yeah. I think Greed's been dead longer than he's been alive. <clears throat> yeah. As both Greed and Greedling, if that, if that says anything, you know. <laughs> Back in Central, our new Greed walks through the huge tunnels leading to Father's lair. Something catches his attention as he walks into the light. I didn't expect to see you here, Pride, he remarks. Pride, dressed in a tiny suit, tells Greed that Father is sleeping, which they both note is a rare sight. I like to imagine he was just at some like formal event with his mother, <laughs> pretending <laughs> to be a child, come, and it's like <laughs> sneaks away into the house, <laughs> down to the tunnels, <laughs> in his suit. We focus in on Father, then transition through some black panels into a dream-slash-flashback. It opens in a bustling city, its architecture and the clothing of its citizens looking unlike anything we've seen in Amestris. Inside one of the buildings, a young man in simple, dirty clothes scrubs the floor of a messy study. A voice calls out to him. You there, young man. Hey, hello. <laughs> the man turns to look around, and we see his features strongly resemble a certain protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> When he sees no one else in the room, he frowns and goes back to his cleaning. The voice tries again. Over here. That's right, a little closer. Right here. And the man realizes that the voice isn't coming from a person, but a strange black mass floating within a flask. The man leans down, staring for a moment. Then he turns away. I'm busy. Talk to me later. What? Doesn't my appearance shock you? You want me to act shocked? What's it worth to you? The man asks. Hmm, your brashness impresses me, the form in the flask says. What's your name? Number 23. Don't tell me your number. Tell me your name. The man says that he doesn't have one, because he's a slave. The black shape seems intrigued. A slave? You mean those who have been denied their freedom and rights, whose ownership is transferred and sold to others as commodity, it says, as though reciting from a dictionary. The man is confused. Transferred? he asks, and the flask creature recites again. A conveyance by sale, gift, or otherwise of real or personal property to another. Huh? You're not very smart, are you? <laughs> Shut up, the man snaps, annoyed. <laughs> the creature almost seems to sigh. I don't know how I could have been born of a being like you, it says. And when the man looks puzzled, it adds, It was you, wasn't it? The one who gave me his blood? The man holds his arm, which is still bandaged. Now that you mention it, the master did take a lot of blood from me for some experiment. Your blood enabled me to come into this world. Thank you. Uh, number 23 sounds so impersonal. In return for your kindness, I'll grant you a name. Something that sounds very grand would be suitable. Let's see. Hmm. Theo... Theophrastus Bombastus Von... Too long, the man interrupts. <laughs> huh? I see. You're not smart enough to remember a long name. Stop <laughs> saying I'm not smart. <laughs> then how about just... Von. Von Hohenheim. I guess I could remember that, the newly named Hohenheim says. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's him. It's him. <laughs> the creature starts to explain how the name is spelled before realizing that Hohenheim probably doesn't know how to read or write. I don't need to know all that to do my work, he says. Then your circumstances will never change. Don't you long for your freedom, Hohenheim? Do you wish to spend your entire life as a slave with no rights? Do you plan to wither away in a cage as someone's property, without experiencing all that the outside world has to offer? You're just like me, living inside this tiny flask. Knowledge is the greatest treasure. It will help you succeed in life without ever weighing you down, and is the means by which you will gain your freedom. I will give you knowledge, von Hohenheim. 
Honheim starts to look a little uneasy. So, what are you, he asks. What should I call you? The black shape shifts, stretching out little tendrils, opening one large eye and grinning widely. You can call me Homunculus, the dwarf inside the flask. We cut back to the current time, where Roy finishes interpreting Reese's code. Salem Bradley is a homunculus, and sets fire to it, destroying the evidence. This must be some kind of joke, he thinks to himself. That's impossible. But lately, nothing is impossible. That's the end of chapter 74. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Good stuff. My favorite part was when Hohenheim acted like Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being called stupid. Stop yeah. calling me stupid. <laughs> I love how much Ed is like his father when he was younger. He would hate yeah. it so much. <laughs> he was right. Hohenheim was right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's just like me when I was that age. And we were all like, whatever, Hohenheim. And yeah. now it's like, oh, yeah, he was definitely exactly like that. <laughs> Chapter 75 picks up back with young Hohenheim, obviously a little later on, as he is passing his new reading and writing knowledge on to some of his fellow slaves. His friends are happy to learn, saying that their masters can't trick them so easily if they understand all this. They ask Hohenheim how he learned, and he grins and says it's a secret, then promises to go over some math with everyone the next day. They all then get interrupted by Hohenheim's master approaching to break up the party, shouting at everyone to stop slacking off and grabbing Hohenheim by his collar. He cringes and holds his hands up defensively, apologizing, but his master gets distracted by all the writing in the dirt before he can dole out any punishment. You know how to write? he asks. Hohenheim confirms that he can, as well as read and do some arithmetic. His master seems more impressed than angry, and Hohenheim seizes on the opportunity. I can do more than just read and write, master. I can also do a bit of alchemy. Would you hire me as your assistant? A little while later, we see that Hohenheim's request was granted. He's clean and tidy and dressed in fine robes, sitting at a desk full of alchemy equipment, as well as homunculus in its flask. He reads aloud from a book, quoting some familiar concepts. Everything comes from one source and will eventually become one again. In other words, one is all. The one allows the all to exist, and the all exists within the one. Without the all within the one, the all cannot exist. You become quite the alchemist, Hohenheim, Homunculus comments, but Hohenheim insists that he's still just an assistant. He has a long way to go before matching his master's skill level. A little later, Hohenheim leans out the window with Homunculus resting on the sill beside him. He thanks Homunculus for the knowledge it gave him, saying that it's allowed him to leave behind his days as a slave and live this well. No, I should be the one to thank you, Homunculus says. I was born into this world out of the blood you gave me. It's almost as if you're my parent. Hohenheim laughs. You mean, I don't have a house or family yet, but I already have a child? <laughs> a family, Homunculus repeats. Being a human is so inconvenient, you have to build communities in order to breed and propagate your species. Don't use the word breed, Hohenheim gripes. Then explains that, as ridiculous as it might seem to homunculus, human beings find happiness through their family and friends. So what makes you happy, he asks. Well, I don't ask for much, homunculus answers. I think I would be content if I could find a way to survive outside this flask. As I am now, if I leave this container, I would surely die. Hohenheim's master steps out to interrupt them before Hohenheim can respond, saying he needs to take the homunculus for a little while, because the king wishes to speak to it. The king, Hohenheim thinks. I wonder why. The reason, unsurprisingly, is immortality. Why does everyone who acquires power and wealth go in that direction, Homunculus muses, much to everyone's horror. You are in the presence of his majesty, the king of Xerxes. If you continue your insolence, I will smash your flask. But Homunculus calls that bluff. You created me purely by accident. If you harm me in any way, it's your own heads that will be smashed in, right? 
Enough idle chatter, the king interrupts. He looks old and haggard, his hands trembling as he speaks. Immortality, is it possible or not? The homunculus grins. Has old age made you anxious? How pathetic, my dear king of Xerxes. All right, I'll teach you the secret to immortality. Out on the edge of Xerxes, a group of men are hard at work digging a long trench. Some local citizens come over to ask what's going on, and a lead digger cheerfully tells them that the king has decreed irrigation ditches be dug throughout the kingdom. What a good man the king is, the locals say happily. He truly cares for us commoners. The digger's smiles fade as the locals wander away. That night we see why. The men digging the trench are attacking the town, burning the buildings to the ground and slaughtering everyone there. With their tasks done, the leader digs out a paper with a familiar transmutation circle sketched out on it. Next on our list, he says. Later on, Hohenheim walks through his town, listening to the people trade rumors about the village up north that was wiped out in a single night. What a tragedy, Hohenheim says to Homunculus as he returns home. Bandits attacked Bodath village and killed all the people. Really, Homunculus says innocently. What a shame. In his palace, the king stands before the mural of the transmutation circle. Make haste, he says. Faster. My time grows short. Sometime later, the horrible circle is complete. The king's people rouse him from his sleep, a man now even more frail and desperate at the end of his life. Everyone gathers in the large room before the mural. The king kneels in the middle of the room and cuts his finger, dripping blood into a small basin to begin the ritual. Strange sounds begin to echo throughout the room. Hohenheim, looking much more as we know him, holds Homunculus's flask as he watches eagerly. Amazing, he says. The king is about to become immortal. It's the dawn of a new era. In his hands, the homunculus grins a sinister grin. Shadowy hands burst from the ground and stretch toward the sky. So this is immortal, the king begins, but his words are choked off. He and his servants begin to collapse, trembling with pain. But you said none of us would be harmed. Outside, all the citizens of Xerxes are affected as well. Everyone seems to be, except for Hohenheim. He looks around wildly, confused and terrified. What? What's happening? He looks down and notices Homunculus's grin. What have you done? He demands. Its grin grows wider. The true center of the transmutation circle is right here, where you're standing, it explains. I used your blood within me to open the portal. Hohenheim, my blood relative. Right now, you and I stand at the center of the world. The giant eye of the portal opens beneath Hohenheim's feet, and across the kingdom, shadowy hands reach into the skies. The hands plunge inward toward Hohenheim and Homunculus, and they begin to dissolve as they travel through the portal of truth. Later, the sun rises over the vacant palace, and Hohenheim slowly pushes himself to his feet. What? Why is it so quiet? he asks. He wanders through the aftermath, corpses lying where they fell all throughout the town. They're all dead, Hohenheim says in disbelief. He calls out to his friends, a familiar list of names we've heard him say before. Somebody, answer me, he calls desperately, but nobody does. And then a voice says, I'm afraid that won't be possible. Their souls have been drained out of them. Hohenheim turns and quickly drops to his knee when he catches a glimpse of the royal robes. Your majesty, you survived. But he quickly realizes that it isn't his king. Do you like these clothes? The man asks. I put on whatever I found lying around. How do you like your new body? Does it suit you? Hohenheim gapes up at the man in confusion and horror. He's staring into his own face. You're me, he gasps. The doppelganger says that he used Hohenheim's blood to make himself a vessel, 
and Hohenheim realizes that he's talking to the former dwarf in the flask. What's happening? he demands. What are you talking about? What new body? Homunculus smirks. Focus your consciousness within and you'll see. First, I gave you a name to repay you for the gift of your blood. Then I gave you knowledge. And now, I've given you a body that will never decay in exchange for the souls of all the people of this country. Hohenheim clutches at his face in horror as the agonized cries of the souls now within him begin to make their presence known. Well, technically I took half of them for myself, Homunculus continues, ignoring his friend's distress. I've finally made it out of that tiny flask. I'm eternally grateful for your help, Hohenheim. And Hohenheim screams his despair to the heavens. Back in the present, a distant voice calls to Hohenheim, and he slowly wakes on the train where he'd been snoozing. I knew it was you, Izumi says, with Sig standing stoically behind her. You're Mr. Hohenheim, right? Do you remember me? The three of them get off the train and chat as they walk through the town together, remarking on their shared connection to Ed and Al that they hadn't been aware of the last time they met. Thank you for looking after my boys, Hohenheim says, which Izumi laughs off. But he continues, I left before I ever did anything for them as a father. I've done nothing but take advantage of the kindness of others. Izumi frowns. Shouldn't you have explained your intentions to those boys a little more clearly before you left? He scratches his head and sheepishly says that she's right, and that he's ashamed of it. The conversation gets interrupted when one of Izumi's bloody coughing fits overtakes her. Sig digs through his pockets for her medication, while Hohenheim puts a hand on her shoulder and asks if she's okay. Then something he sees in her catches his attention. He urgently tells Sig to go and get a car, insisting, against Izumi's protests, that he has some medical knowledge and can tell that Izumi is very much not okay. After Sig hurries off, Hohenheim leans closer to Izumi. You've seen the truth, haven't you? He asks, making her eyes go wide. What did you have to sacrifice? She hesitates, but he urges her to be honest, assuring her again that he has some knowledge of medical alchemy, though it's a Sheen-style alchemy, so it may seem strange to her. She steals herself, then tells him, Some of my organs were taken. My baby died, and I tried to resurrect it, so now I can never have another child. Hohenheim closes his eyes. I see, he says. Okay, I understand. He then changes subjects to ask if the military has tried to contact her recently, and Izumi, a little confused, says that the Fuhrer tried to get her to become a state alchemist, but she declined. Good, Hohenheim says, helping her to her feet. Excuse me. And he suddenly plunges his left hand into her abdomen, blood spurting around his fingers and gushing from her mouth. Sig returns just in time to see this, and he rushes over and punches Hohenheim hard enough to send him flying into the wall. <laughs> Izumi, Sig cries out in a panic, dropping down beside her. Are you all right? But Izumi simply says, Calm down, I'm fine. She holds a hand to her face with a wondering look. I can breathe easier now. Don't be ridiculous, he stabbed you in the abdomen, Sig shouts. Let me see the wound. Izumi puts her hand under her blood-stained shirt and tells him that there is no wound. Beside them, Hohenheim rubs the back of his head as he sits up. I can't replace the organs that were taken from you, he explains. That's the cost of your sin but I reorganized your abdominal cavity to improve the blood circulation. He picks up his glasses and stands up. Mrs. Zumi, it's not yet your time to die. There's much you still need to accomplish. Hohenheim, just who are you anyway? Izumi asks. I'm a monster, Hohenheim says as he slides his glasses back on. Well, that's what I usually tell people, but I'll tell you the truth. I'm von Hohenheim, the human philosopher's stone. That's the end of chapter 75. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs>
when Hohenheim stabbed Izumi in the gut, I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the like scary shiny glasses thing going on too. Yeah. When yeah. He does it. But then he's just he's just so awkward. And then yeah. Sid yeah. comes back and punches him and he's like, Oh, it's fine. I just yeah. reorganized your organs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he's like awkwardly scratching his head when he gets up from being slammed into the wall by Sid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like cracks in the brickwork behind yeah. him. It's really funny. <laughs> I mean, Hohenheim's probably tougher than your average person. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow, there was a lot. Big backstory <laughs> dump this time. Yeah, I forgot because I read it before. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, all this, whatever. Yeah, of course, Hohenheim's <laughs> father's father. No. It's a huge deal. <laughs> <laughs> I think the homunculus, I love the homunculus because it's so creepy. Like, and yeah. so um, manipulative. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I'll give you immortality or whatever. And it's like a whole scheme to get what it wants, mm-hmm. which is great. At the same time, it does seem like genuinely like grateful to Hohenheim. I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're like my dad or whatever. I'm going to give you a name and then I'm mm-hmm. going to teach you some math. And then, <laughs> then you're going to give you me. this horrific body. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, isn't it great? Okay, later. <laughs> Hohenheim is like screaming in the foreground yeah. and Homunculus is like, oh yeah, well anyway, I took half the souls for myself, but you got half too, so yeah, thanks. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, absolutely no humanity, which makes yeah. it great <laughs> as a character. <laughs> the Homunculus slash father. I like the idea that the Homunculus was also created completely by accident mm-hmm. and like lords that over the uh, the alchemist. I yeah. enjoy that too. Yeah. It's like, come on, you're not going to get rid of me. You don't even know how you made me. It seems to have all this, like, infinite knowledge somehow, which is mm-hmm. intriguing. Like, nobody taught the homunculus how to read or whatever. It just has, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> phenomenal cosmic power and an itty-bitty living space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made a ref- movie reference Cosm knows this time. That's oh, all yeah, I got that one. <laughs> For uh, anyone who doesn't, it's Aladdin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> So the homunculus basically just, its only motivation was to get out of the flask, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it does seem genuinely grateful to Hohenheim. Mm-hmm. But everything mm-hmm. else was all in service of getting out of the flask, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if giving Hohenheim knowledge and stuff, because basically he slowly manipulated Hohenheim over time, right? I don't know. At least mm-hmm. that's kind of how I feel. It's questionable. Mm-hmm. Definitely everyone else. Yeah. Um, but had a whole plan and giving Hohenheim the gift of an immortal body was also part of that plan, apparently. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure if, like, like, the idea of his own plan, like, came to, like, came to it until, like, he spoke to the king, or... Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, or... Yeah, I mean... Because it does seem, like, somewhat, like, innocent in a way, and it's, like, early... In the like early interactions with it, yeah, like it's like I'll give you knowledge, knowledge can help you get out. Don't you? Do you really want to be in a? Yeah, I guess the question is like when when did that intention change? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. but if the if, if the homunculus has like <laughs> infinite wisdom, then it definitely would have known. But like, I guess the king I think it being has, like uh, knowledge, but not necessarily wisdom. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Infinite knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it knew what was needed to make, to have immortality, Mm -hmm. in theory, right? 
when the king asked. It's yeah, not like it was like... for stone anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't know. Do you think that, like... Do you think that it's just, like, learned from the alchemy books? Yeah, I mean, it was reading out, defi- like, dictionaries, so I feel like maybe it was taught somehow. Like, it was read to or something, and it just memorized everything, and, like... I feel it like it has, to... like, a connection to the truth. Yeah. From, like, mm, however yeah. accidentally it was formed. That's true. I mean, it, it resembles it with the, the eyes, the mm-hmm. grin. And, and the zoop, 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 zoop sound hands. effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, that, like, hands. people who, like, went through the portal had gained, like, a bunch of, like, knowledge, knowledge like, streamed directly mm-hmm. into their head. Yeah. True that, true that. So it seems like it was probably, like, I always figure it was, like, born somehow out of the, out of, like, some experiment with the portal and just, like, had all this knowledge and it said it's amorphous black form. <laughs> Maybe that they used sense. the blood to try to transmute something like a person or some something mm-hmm. i guess and that's what they got you know they put uh semen inside of a horse that was <laughs> oh, did, oh, oh. Did Cosmo miss this part i forget because that no, was, like, I was one, there oh that was i was gonna say it was one yeah. of the earlier episodes yeah. where we were talking about all the crazy alchemy mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on that subject uh the name that homunculus tries to give hohenheim is uh paracelsus's full real name or wow. part of it anyway his full name part was philippus aurelius theophrastus bombastus von hohenheim do you think he gave himself that name <laughs> or do you think that he was given that name i don't know it was so long ago it's probably hard to tell it's, uh, <laughs> uh let's see this is from the the noble family Bombast von Hohenheim. I was gonna say, so at von least that Hohenheim much is part of this. Like a family name or a place or whatever, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I think he gave himself the name Paracelsus. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a good I think nickname. that might have just been his full actual name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But yeah. That's too many, too many letters. Yeah, I agree with Hohenheim. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the uh, homunculus calling him not smart, though. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're not smart enough to remember a long name. <laughs> it's like, that's okay, neither am I. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Remember that moment when I first read it where he's like, how about how about just Von Hohenheim? And you're like, oh, like, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nothing good can come from this. Mm-hmm. I was just, I like how Hohenheim is suspicious of the, the homunculus also. Mm-hmm. Like, basically the whole time. He's like, what's in it for you? Giving me all this crap, you know? Yeah. Um. Which I think is the right... If something is talking to you from within a glass, you should definitely be mm-hmm. suspicious. Yeah. Also, the dwarf in the flask is obviously a, another term for homunculus that's been used in old really? chemical tes- texts. Oh. So, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, who knew? So, yeah. That's our esoteric bullshit for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I guess that makes sense. I think you're... I agree with your theory of it being sort of like related to the portal and the truth yeah. and whatever it has a it has the shadowy shadowy bits like the portal does and stuff so mm-hmm. maybe it does just know maybe it did just know about immortality or whatever it's like oh immortality you say i can make that happen and then meanwhile mm-hmm. is like i have the perfect plan yeah <laughs> i do love how much how time is like ed <laughs> yep mm-hmm. he was right I just think that this is my favorite, like, plot arc in the whole story. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't think of that word. <laughs> story? Um, yeah. Well, because I was about to say movie or something. Like, That's not the right one. You know the movie. <laughs> um, Just, like, I mean, they 
it's been teased for pretty much the entire series. Yeah, mm-hmm. And like, it just it it's just very satisfyingly puts together a bunch of pieces that we've had scattered throughout, mm-hmm. and like neatly seals it all together. Um, it's just I don't know very. I I I, I like tragic stories, so I, you know the just the the irony and the tragedy of it all is mm-hmm. very appealing to me. Yeah, it is a very satisfying set of reveals. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like now we know why Hohenheim and Father look alike. Now we know what happened to Xerxes. Why it disappeared in a single night? And, yeah, you know, now we know what's up with Hohenheim's weird body. Everything. And everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, and his oh. weird weirdness. <laughs> yeah, his weird weirdness. I like. And I we was... know the uh, kind of with that list of names that he was. Yeah, I was gonna reciting. say his, his familiars. We know that they're his friends. Yeah. It's so sad now. <laughs> and he's like, I'm gonna have to use you all or whatever. So it's like. Oh, and the part that was so creepy was when um, the homunculus is like, oh, yeah, like, just focus your consciousness and you'll hear them screaming. And it was like, oh, oh no, yeah. mm-hmm. he can he can hear them. Yeah. It's and that's so such easy. a good panel. It has like a close up of Hohenheim's face and then like half of it's in shadow. And then the shadow just becomes a dark panel with all the little oh, the, like yeah. voices being like Help voices. Screaming. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's horrifying. It's kind of like envy. But, yeah. you know, in his own head, which is horrifying. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so. they're saying like the whole a lot of the same things. Like some are saying kill me, some are saying help me. Yeah, <laughs> and I also so one thing we talked about before is like why <laughs> we had a, talked about why pride is why is pride called pride and like why why does he seem like a good pride versus wrath or whatever? Mm-hmm. And like I think the fact that the homunculus has those like shadowy forms mm-hmm. and like hands and stuff is also a good. It's kind of like if Pride yeah. was the first homunculus, it's like something the homunculus created, like almost like in his own image, yeah, like the way that image. he yeah. created himself in Hohenheim's image, mm-hmm. I guess. So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting how those fit together, too. Yeah. Pride is like a he is he is father's child and and like him, I guess, in a way, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. One little interesting thing that's like not really directly commented on, but so Ed now don't really look like anyone else in the mistress, like they're exactly like yeah, oh, that's yeah. you know, gold hair, gold eyes thing, and it's because they're you know the last like descendants of the ethnic group of Xerxes. Xerxes. <laughs> that totally makes sense. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I never thought about that. Um, there's like, like blonde they're not, people. They're not just protagonists. But... <laughs> they're reason to be special looking. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I like the way that you described the Xerxes doesn't look like anywhere else we've seen before, like, mm-hmm. in the beginning, because yeah. you're kind of like, where are we? I mean, it says in the chapter, because the chapter title is The Last Days of Xerxes, but, like, before you get to that part, it's like, mm-hmm. I wonder what this, what's going on with this? Like, it's yeah. very interesting. But that's, that's 75 anyways, so you've all, you're already sort of in the... Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, the first one is called The Dwarf, the Dwarf of the Blast, Blast. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think there's one part where he's like the king of Xerxes or whatever. It's like partway through that, mm-hmm. like, unless it's in the second chapter. I forget, but yeah, it is like that's in the second chapter. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point though about Ed. Now they're they're mm-hmm. the last descendants from Xerxes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is a great reveal. It does explain a lot of things. <laughs> like where did and I like the idea that it. I like that it kind of like leaves. It's like there's an explanation for how there can be homunculi and father and whatever but it's still like the the origin is actually like unknown in the sense mm-hmm. that you know like it's it's explained as being an accident 
which is kind of interesting. So yeah, you don't have to fully buy into something happening mm -hmm. to get all the magic stuff, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. from a from a story perspective, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's always a risk of over explaining in uh, like yeah. sci-fi kind of stories. I think so. Yeah, I think it's explained well enough that it's mm -hmm. like you don't even know what you did. You took some yeah. blood and some stuff, and you did a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's enough that you're like, I can buy that. I can then... buy that. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of weird shit in FMA. We've already bought in so far, so yeah, <laughs> we've, we've been slowly, slowly bought in. And then the huge, the portal that opens is like huge. Mm -hmm. Like it was mm -hmm. so well. Obviously, it was like the full size of the. It was um, like the castle, wasn't it? Well, was it was the whole. Than that. No, it was the bigger than that because they like country. zoom out. It should be the whole yeah. country, right? Oh, that's really? Where they, well, wherever yeah. they made the circle. Oh, wow. I don't remember yeah. what was shown when Ed Nels when they did the human transportation, but wasn't the portal like the floor? Like, didn't he get sucked? To, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think the like eye opened up underneath there. Under circle, the, the circle. Way. Yeah. It seems like it, it, but it was like so big and like round and stuff in this drawing where it's taking over like the whole country. Like, it's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, it's kind of terrifying because like oh, it's horrifying. We've been, we've been talking about like a countrywide transmutation circle recently and it's like oh here's, here's how horrible it would be but even worse because the mistress is bigger mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also like kind of surprised that all their bodies were there like when he woke up i don't know why that was something that was sort of weird to me like you think they would just be gone or whatever i guess but yeah well it just took their souls <laughs> that's true <laughs> doesn't need their physical bodies i mm -hmm. guess that's a good point yeah i think that's how we saw it when we when they were doing the uh, Philosopher's Stone transmutations on the Ishvalans too, in the flesh. Oh, yeah, I guess mm -hmm. they were still there. They just kind of slump over. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I don't remember if it was just them laying on the circle to pre-sacrifice or, or post-sacrifice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that they employed these uh, people to, like, quote-unquote, dig trenches, and then they were also the ones who went and carved the Crest of Blood or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's an irrigation ditch. Yeah. And the people were like, great. And then they're all like suspicious looking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it turned out they were the ones later who had, I guess, been mm -hmm. hired to do that too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they got sacrificed too. So, yeah. <laughs> so in the end, there's no <laughs> bad guys, no, no bad humans. <laughs> I liked how all the uh, people, the higher ups, were like, "I thought you said this wouldn't kill us or whatever," and it's like, mm -hmm. "Why did you trust it?" Anyway. <laughs> it's ironic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love like, like as it's just starting up, and I was like, "Wow, amazing!" Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, honey. I was like, "Oh my god, shadow hands!" I can't. Yeah. No, it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> zoop zoop zoop. Mm -hmm. Here we get we got zoos and zloch and zoop <laughs> in this one. Zoop zoop zoop. Shadow noises, obviously. Yeah. Floor master. But mostly zoo 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 zoo. Zoo 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 zoo. That's what the shadow sounds like. <laughs> Those little shadow hands are so creepy. Mm -hmm. like they'll always be creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're all like, yay, the king could be immortal. They must have really liked the king, too, because they weren't <laughs> like, I have problems with you becoming immortal or whatever. It was like cool and he does look very old and frail at the mm -hmm. end it must have taken a while for them to dig all those trenches yeah. and kill all those people yeah. yeah well hohenheim's you know got his and he was older now so yeah he's he was probably like a teenager like ed now's age at the beginning and then yeah he's like a much older man in that scene so. mm -hmm. and then it kind of looked like um well i guess hohenheim and homunculus got kind of like sucked into the portal or transmuted together or something because they're all like mm -hmm. they got that alchemy texture breaking up texture yeah in that scene yeah it's like when ed and Al went through 
transmuted themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. The homunculus transmuted both of them. Yeah. So. One thing that I just noticed flipping through the pages is you're talking about how pride is sort of uh, resembles the homunculus. Well, mm-hmm. re- resembles the homunculus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, it was a return to his own form or whatever. Mm. Um, in the page that he gives you his name, you can call me Homunculus the Dwarf in the Flask. On the opposite page is when we, re- re- when we reveal the message is Celine Bradley is a homunculus. Mm, true. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, there's a word for I'm it. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Contrast? Association. Association. Something like that. They're, I think they're definitely linked, and like the pride, pride in the tunnel has the eye, the same creepy eyes and grin. You know, mm-hmm. the last thing I have to say about Hohenheim is I wonder if he's the quote unquote philosopher from the West because he knows like Qing style alchemy and stuff, mm-hmm. and he's from Xerxes, and we know Xerxes is west of uh, whatever Sheen. Sheen. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Maybe father's the alchemist from the east. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you know and you can't say. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but anyway, that made me wonder because there's two of them and they've been around for a long time and uh, obviously they know a lot about, you know, they have they have infinite knowledge now, I guess, from the going through the portal. So mm-hmm. and the homunculus seemed to in the first place anyway. So mm-hmm. and also, I mean, the homunculus has been working on this crazy scheme to suck up all the souls from a mistress over time too so which is kind of a lot like is that really his motivation anyway i don't know we it's not explored (laughs) yet at this point he wants to do something and it's bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean he didn't have any qualms about destroying a whole town like a whole small country so Mm -hmm. the homunculus has no humanity so this doesn't seem to (laughs) like the, the homunculus is like Humans have to form communities that's inconvenient or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And Hohenheim is like, people like their friends and family? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I think that little conversation is used to show how the homunculus doesn't really have any concept of humanity at all. So, mm-hmm. though clearly able to manipulate people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One last thing is uh, the philosopher, no, alchemist mantra, one is all and all is one. Yeah. Um, I find it kind of interesting that you see sort of that literally happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, literally all the souls merge Your into sees. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and become Hohenheim. Yeah, and father. And father, mm-hmm. yeah. With Azumi, right? I assume he used Philosopher Stone powers to heal her, right? He didn't seem to have any transmutation circle. He used natural mm-hmm. alchemy. Yeah, yeah I guess And so. it's... I don't know, it's interesting because the Philosopher's Stone is him, right? Like, that's his own life force, even though it's still everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, Ed and Al have a problem using a Philosopher's Stone because they're basically, you know, um, profiting off the suffering of others, that sort of thing. Yeah. But with Hohenheim, that's just who he is. Uh, it's just a neat little mm-hmm. um, perspective. Yeah, he also seems to, like, like have come to terms with it in some way just from the way he like addressed all the like addressed the like individual souls within him from yeah. the song that earlier time yeah before doing some weird alchemy thing yeah the thing in the woods the questionable thing in the woods yeah <laughs> yes. and maybe that's just like a difference of 
I mean, it might be just a difference of like personality or how he's lived with it for so long or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because it's been a long ass time for, <laughs> yeah. for him. Yeah. Well, he and he's also like an adult. I feel like kids see, mm-hmm. in general see things as more like black and white. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. if it's just I mean, there's that a too. lot of character. Yeah, there's a lot of characters who comment on like Ed Nell's like like innocence and naivete still. So. Yeah. <laughs> But it's but isn't it great that he knows Sheen Alchemy because then maybe he could help them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. At least that's, that's what I hope. That's why Al wants to talk to him. Even yeah, though Ed would just punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then he Hon would be like, "I deserve that," which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> just like when Sig punched him. Yeah. <laughs> but he like it seemed like Izumi and him know each other from before. Is that yeah, what's implied? Uh, they, well, when um, Ed and Al first visited Izumi, she tells she says that she ran into. A really talented oh. alchemist named Hohenheim, and that's when they were, and they were like, like, that's my dad. And, yeah. yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I like, it's kind of interesting. It seems like he was able to just, like, touch her and sense that something was wrong with her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe that's also part of his infinite knowledge now, or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but he just, like, shoved his hand through her guts, which was pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting this kind of dismemberment today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he sort he, of a remembermint in the end. Remembermint, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a reorganization. <laughs> I think it's interesting that he was like, I can't give you back the organs that were lost. So I guess he doesn't have like, you know, crazy power. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he chose not to. I don't know. Like maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah, that is interesting. It is interesting. Because you would think then that Ed and Al can't get theirs back, even with a philosopher's mm, stone. I don't know. Oh, shit. But yeah, does it seem like it's some kind of like, like the way he says it is like it's some like, just truth of the world like it does seem like, like that was that. the cost of your sins so i can't give them back to you but then like other others have used the philosopher's stone <laughs> to like heal people though so yeah but not yeah but they uh, didn't heal people who tried to, to resurrect a human being and <laughs> lost <Yeah>. their <laughs> body parts for it okay well you're right <laughs> but i mean yeah it is interesting that he said that specifically i guess yeah so he he fixed her up but mm-hmm. it's not like he brought brought back organs that she'd already completely lost or whatever so but she was like oh this is better and after sick punched him which was also funny (laughs) (laughs) i think it's funny how he describes himself as the human philosopher's stone rather than a homunculus which is basically what he is like isn't he a homunculus just like all the other homunculi or is it like implied that he's somehow different i feel like there's like a like subtle but significant difference in the fact that like he, he is a to... philosopher's stone versus having a philosopher's stone at his core. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They're kind of artificial. Yeah, because like we can see the actual philosopher's stone at the core of like we've seen it at envy yeah. and lust. Lust, yeah. Um, yeah it's kind but of it like seems the... like his whole body is just the stone essentially. Yeah, it's like a, the difference of having like it's almost like they're like battery. Like they don't. Yeah. They don't live without it. I mean, Hohenheim. I mean, I guess oh, Hohenheim just. I don't know. I guess eventually yeah. he'll lose souls if he like dies or whatever. But mm-hmm. he doesn't. Uh, yeah, he can't. It can't be like removed or whatever. It's just like that's he is that. I guess. Yeah. He is a philosopher stone. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I like it. He's like I'm a monster. Is what I usually tell people. <laughs> it's like, but for you in the know. <laughs> yeah. It's like since I just shoved my hand into your gut, I guess we're <laughs> we're, we're on intimate terms now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder. Um, I guess that makes Father also a philosopher's stone. If they're kind of the same, maybe but he, you can't, he started can't. out as a homunculus. I don't know. Yeah, but mm-hmm. 
Well, I guess he just made a body. Yeah. Yeah, he did call it a vessel for himself. Yeah. Rather than, like... He's also not a person. Like, he's yeah. not a human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Hohenheim is a human with a bunch of souls. The homunculus is questionable. We don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can separate separate the philosopher's stone from within himself and therefore make homunculi with it. Yeah. But maybe that's why they're homunculi, because he's a homunculus, so they're kind of the same. I don't know. I'm just working through this his all children. right now. During the his children. His weird children. I like that um Hohenheim is like, oh, you're saying that I'm like a father and I don't even have a family. And then like now the homunculus calls himself father and stuff and mm-hmm. has his own weird family that he created. It's interesting. But then they're not really yeah. like, they're not a family in the human sense. Like they don't, obviously don't feel the same way about each other that like mm-hmm. people, humans feel about each other, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely something psychologically interesting going on there with, yeah. Yeah, with father. <laughs> It's weird. But I feel mm-hmm. like for him, it's more, it seems like it's more of a, like, a, I don't want to say pride. It's like a weird, like a, a pride thing. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, it's not out of love. They're his minions, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of well, like. It's the same he, way some, yeah, some real people are like that with their children, too. That's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, they only see their children as, like, a reflection of their self. And... I guess I'm talking about in, you know, typical yeah. story representation terms, yeah. not in real yeah. life terms. Well, I'm saying I think there's a relation <laughs> there. Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they're, he's they, he, he created them, especially, I think, pride to be in the way that he is and to have special powers and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. he created them to be special yeah. and mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't think they have the same sort of like relationship that a human family would have with each no. other. <laughs> yeah. At least some, some human families. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even the ones that are like literally trying to pr- like pass his family, like wrath mm-hmm. and pride. <laughs> yeah. Like they seem to have like contempt for each other specifically. And mm-hmm. Envy hates everyone. And they all hate yeah. Envy. So. And, Envy. <laughs> and everyone hates Envy. Yeah. <laughs> Envy is just such a little shit. <laughs> somebody has to be well pride isn't the child envy is the child of the family yeah. right the like sassy younger child mm-hmm. you think envy has middle child syndrome <laughs> envy just has um like a persecution complex or whatever mm-hmm. i just oh the army came to bug uh well they uh, they bugged azumi in the past but they also came specifically to try to find her again mm-hmm. so and they talked to mason but yeah yeah and then Beto was there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean he hitched a ride he, back to central but he doesn't know original greed is dead yeah he doesn't know isn't that sad <laughs> i was like no Beto, no mm-hmm. but i mean he knows all the others are dead I guess he saw them taking mm-hmm. Greed away. Yeah. He's like, those are the people who took Greed away, which I don't mm-hmm. know if that's, he just means the army or them specifically, but, um, but yeah, so I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever. That's sad. Yeah. I just wanted to talk, the last things we haven't talked about yet are like all the goings on in Central. So like yeah. Olivier, Olivier talked to the Fuhrer. Oh yeah, that happened today. Wow. Yeah, I know. Sometimes <laughs> yep. I forget things that happened in the beginning because the end mm. is so different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was also fucked up slightly. I yeah. like how she was mm-hmm. like, uh, well, first of all, I like that um, she sassed Roy right off the bat, which is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she told the fear, did, 
General Raven didn't tell her all that stuff. Like, that's some stuff that Ed now told her, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that Mm -hmm. he's a homunculus and all this other stuff. Like, General Raven was like, oh, we're going to build an immortal army and you can have a seat at the table and blah, blah, blah. Like, he probably Mm -hmm. didn't know. I mean, maybe he knew that the hero was a homunculus and stuff, but that's not... It didn't seem like he actually told her that, but then she used that information to to throw him under the bus further. So, Mm -hmm. I like that she was like, he had loose lips, Mm -hmm. so I killed him. Give mm-hmm. me his seat. I was like, oh, man, you, like, turned that seat down to him. But now mm-hmm. you're here to, like, be like, I, I killed him. Give me his place at the table. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Olivier is such an interesting character. I, 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 I believe in my heart that Olivier is, tra- is doing the right, is doing this, too, because she's on our side, how, mm-hmm. on the good side. But, like, it's questionable, isn't it? Like, she always has a straight she's, face, no matter yeah, what's she's happening. she's extremely stoic in her dealings. <laughs> Yeah, and I like that. Because, mm-hmm. like, we don't... I feel like... Like I said, I believe that she's good. But you don't know. Like, she could mm-hmm. be backstabbing all of the people in Briggs, you know? Or whatever. I don't... And, like, Ed now. She could be like, now I have all this information. I'm going to use this to get to the top. Which I don't mm-hmm. believe, but it's possible. It's hard to... You could... I think you could interpret it either way. Like, mm-hmm. Miles says that she's going there to do good. But I, I don't know. I just feel like... But then with when she's with the Fuhrer, like... I just think you could interpret it another way. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's cool. You don't often get a, a female character like that. Nope. Yeah. Like that kind of like, oh, which side are they on? Like, what I'm, are they I'm thinking pretty sure. kind of characters are usually men. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but I'm not. I could I could see it going either way. Like, I could see her being like, just kidding. I did this because I want to be at the top and in on the government plan. And mm-hmm. I want, you know, like, it's still, I think it's still. Yeah, it wouldn't come out of nowhere if it nope. was revealed that to be that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's true, but because mm-hmm. um, I think we're led to believe that she's good and on the good side, but mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, we definitely had the establishing time in Briggs to like have us believe that she was a you know to be on her side and want her to be a good character. So yeah, I mean, she didn't have to. <laughs> she didn't have to be like, "I'll never take your seat." When she killed Raven, if she didn't actually believe that, yeah, because mm-hmm. there wasn't really anybody. I mean, I guess that was in front of her troops, but. I felt like that was personal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the... Actually, the exchange with the flower lady with Mustang. Yes. Because um, she... Yeah, she doesn't have to give him information. Well, but mm-hmm. Mustang was like, and what if I take all this information to the fear myself? And she was like, mm-hmm. uh, Lady Olivia says that you're not you that kind of it. person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like... I don't know, it's game re- uh, respecting game. Is that, is that the phrase? Yeah. <laughs> what game res- game respects game like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i understand yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's true i think you're right like i said i'm about 90 i'm i'm 100 sure that she's good but if if she turned bad i think there's enough evidence that it could go that way too mm-hmm. yeah it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be an ass pull i wouldn't if, be you know. surprised i would just be very very upset yes because <laughs> yeah. she definitely sold it well to the fear. I also mm-hmm. like that all the only things in the Fear's office are like ten swords and like one. Yeah, bookcase. I was gonna point out that it's like he has seven swords on his wall, I and think he's it's... holding at least one more. He's probably got some of his other ones on. He's got one in his butt, as usual. Yes, right. <laughs> the thing is, um, I think the room is purposefully like stretched to be like intimidating looking. Yeah, but it just mm-hmm. looks really empty, which is really funny. <laughs> like the he's the like this is what really humans long. have in their offices, right? <laughs> I am a human. One, one of the swords has printed on it life's a beach <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's like a poster that's like hang in there baby with a cat 
He needs to have a photo of, of, of pride. He's, he's yeah. missing mm-hmm. having a photo of his child. Yeah, he needs a giant photo of his family on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it has to be small because this is a professional setting. <laughs> and facing him so that people, can, other people can't see when they come in his office or whatever, you know? <laughs> I like the idea of him like overcompensating though. It's like here's a giant photo yeah. of my wife and child. That's what pe- humans have in their offices, right? Right, right. It's like I've observed with my subordinates that they have photos of their loved ones and motivational posters. So I'll get the biggest photo of my loved one. Life's a beach. <laughs> he has like a photo of him in like a Hawaiian shirt with his family on like some mm-hmm. vacation that they all decided to take that he took just to like cover like pretend that he's human or whatever yeah and like a novelty seashell frame yeah <laughs> <laughs> he has a shelf of stuffed animals his children's friend one for him <laughs> not referencing any real enough military people that we know <laughs> that's kayla's dad kayla's dad kept just cause of kayla's oh. dad kept um I don't remember how this started, but we won him. We so brought him a fair, a really weird animal, stuffed animal from a fair, and like every time we went to somewhere like that, we would like bring him something weird and give it to him. And he apparently he had them in his office for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, like that. Yes. <laughs> Overcompensating for being human. What's wrong with your dad? Is he homunculus? Have you checked recently? <laughs> he did. Um... <laughs> What time he had to get like professional like military photos done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he brought two of them home and signed them for me and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what I can't remember what mine said. My mom said like to my biggest fan. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I probably still have it somewhere. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, I like, and then the the scene where he actually stands up and he's like, I'll give you the seat or whatever. It's so creepy. Oh, His face yeah. is so horrifying. Mm-hmm. Olivier mm-hmm. is stone-faced, though, because she's great. Yeah. Even in the room where they're like, welcome, have a seat. And it's like mm-hmm. so intimidating. Mm-hmm. And then the only other thing that I have to talk about is the, the, the code. Mm-hmm. Well, like, okay. I have one more thing about Olivier. Oh, yes. So um, in contrast, I think we've talked about how she's ice cold and... Mustang is fire hot, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like here it she's kind of like cold and calculated, mm-hmm. um, and sort of how he's she's handling the whole situation. Whereas with Mustang is very hot and passionate, and like especially when when it comes to Hughes, you've seen him make a lot of unwise decisions and just really get fired up. Mm-hmm. Although I, I mean, I guess with Maria Ross, he was very passionate but very calculated still it was a risky plan though that's mm-hmm. true but it was definitely a lot it wasn't just like a, a brash run head first sort of thing yeah but we've seen yeah, him but... like run onto the battlefield too and... yeah mm-hmm. but i just I just again another <laughs> another way that you, mm-hmm. very very uh aptly fit their sort of uh monikers mm-hmm. is that the right word moniker yeah yeah okay yes yeah I think Roy and Olivier are Gryffindor and Slytherin versions of the same character. (laughs) (laughs) That's my hot take. (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) Gryffindor and Slytherin versions of the same character. Does that make Risa like a Ravenclaw? Mm, Hufflepuff. You think Risa's a Hufflepuff? She's just and loyal and unafraid of toil. So (laughs) that's what it says in the song about Mm -hmm. Hufflepuff. 
And she's a great finder. Yes. <laughs> she did find Barry the Chopper. It's an obscure reference <laughs> at this point, probably. Yeah, that's sad. I know. They, people need to know. I bet everybody listening to this has seen a Harry Potter musical, though. Actually. I think, yeah, there's probably a, a good overlap. A significant portion of this. Uh, <laughs> this what we used to say. It's like, what's the Venn diagram between FMA, <laughs> people who've read FMA and people who've watched um, a Harry Potter musical? It's probably very mm-hmm. high. Yeah. Do you want to say something about 23? About yeah, I just remembered something else um, about Hohenheim. Yeah, I've talked before about how there was like a little a casting bit I liked. This is not strictly related to the manga. This is for Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. That there's a casting bit I liked in the dub for Brotherhood. Uh, so since they actually had a actual, you know, small child voice Al in the original mm-hmm. 03 anime, um, his voice had obviously changed by the time Brotherhood came around. So he did not mm-hmm. voice Al in the uh, Brotherhood dub, but mm-hmm. he voiced young Hohenheim oh. in the Brotherhood dub, which I thought was really cool. That's cute. <laughs> to keep that like family connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. Did they find another child to play Al? Or I think they, they chose voice? a. I think they gave a gave it to a voice a actress. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. A last thing that I wanted to say, which was also about the military, was about the code. The code. Yeah. The code. Yeah. The code. <laughs> I was like, "What's? where's this conversation going? Like, what the fuck is up with this when I was reading it the first time? Mm-hmm. Like, I figured that it was some kind of code because she looks down and sees the shadow right at the beginning. I didn't notice until I reread it this time when I was taking notes that she, like, hit her mug on the table, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, twice or whatever at the beginning. I was like, yeah. ooh, that's cute. They have, like, a system. Well, mm-hmm. if you notice, uh, Mustang hits his pen twice as well right after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then to end the message, she does it, and he does it again, too. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that they, he purposely, he's like, oh, yeah, I have paperwork to do. And it just looks like blank papers. Like, I wonder if he just, I mean, maybe he actually had paperwork and our car didn't draw anything on it. But I was like, I'm pretty sure they're just, he's just meaning to tend, share information with her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it seems like, at least. Or at least there was an opportunity, you know. Mm-hmm. I like that he just burns it up in the bathroom. Can yeah. I set the smoke detector off, buddy? <laughs> but yeah that was horrifying <laughs> for Roy I guess we already knew it was like okay. yeah. yeah I like the, the look on his face as he's starting to interpret it like, mm-hmm. but yeah when this was first published in the uh, the magazine um, it did say Salem Bladley <laughs> yeah um, I mean <laughs> you know no insult meant it's more than I could do <laughs> <laughs> well I mean the good. other thing is that I think in Japanese the R's and L's are the same mm-hmm the same letter there's no difference yeah it's the same sound yeah so maybe they i don't know if maybe it was a name that oh wait is it even repaired it's not on the one page in the old version but it is on the one that like actually has the full message yeah mm. the small the first one where he's writing mm-hmm. it has an l oh no in the japanese version it's not corrected oh like in the japanese full metal edition it isn't corrected it says gladly hmm I don't know. I just don't think it matters. No, it's, it's just like kind a of letter a, that it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's just sort of an interesting note for yes. <laughs> reading it in English. <laughs> in English, it's corrected, I think. In the yeah, that's, edition. yes, it is. That's interesting. I don't know. But I just uh, I like the scene. Mm-hmm. I like how they know each other well and whatever. Yeah. They have a system. The point mm-hmm. is they have a system. Mm-hmm. The shadow is still haunting her. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, we've gotten some of the best, I think, like, Roy and Reese's scenes in these, like, parts where they're, like, forcibly separated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. I hope there's more scenes with them. 
Everybody's so far away now from Central. Well, I guess Livy mm-hmm. is in Central now, so mm-hmm. maybe there'll be more scenes in Central. But... <laughs> she joined the party. Yeah. <laughs> she killed a man for his seat at the, par- the party. <laughs> <laughs> she killed a man in Briggs just to watch him die. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Olivier. I hope she's not mm-hmm. evil. I don't think she is, though. <laughs> all of my, all of my uh, information that I've gathered so far points to no. <laughs> not evil <laughs> she's a great character mm-hmm. yeah. there's so I many good characters in the series I know mm-hmm. I hope Lanfan comes back I haven't I spent several episodes not not lamenting that Lanfan isn't here but mm-hmm. <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> you know who wasn't in these chapters Lanfan <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you get so endeared to her when she's not there for very long and it's like all of a sudden you're like no Fun. Like you mm-hmm. suddenly care, you know, yeah. find yourself caring. <laughs> At least I did. I was like, not mm-hmm. long fun. And she wasn't even, you know, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely did that too. Like, it's like I didn't realize how attached I was to long fun until it looked like until she was she... going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until her, yeah, that's right. Until she stabs herself in the arm and you're like, no. And then, mm-hmm. like, but even later when she's in the sewer, it's like, no, in your arm, no, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's a testament to the how engaging the story is, though, that you kind of forget for a while, and then you're like, oh, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Long Fawn. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't miss mm-hmm. them. I don't miss them not being here or, like, mm-hmm. relaying or, like, there's no, yeah. Pinocchio hasn't been here for a long time. It's like there's a bunch of characters that are great that are just, like, not really that important to what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. You definitely don't miss them. And even yeah. when we, we lost all our new, uh, we lost all our Central City peeps, because mm-hmm. they all got split up and we went to Briggs. It's like we immediately mm-hmm. got brand new characters to fall in love with. Mm-hmm. And did immediately. Yeah. You know. Like, like I, I feel did. like I'm always just like, <laughs> it's like when they show up again, you're like, oh, <gasps> it's them. It's Risa. Mm-hmm. I miss yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, don't talk to Pride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like when Winry showed up at Briggs, you're like, Winry. <laughs> Winry. <laughs> no, Winry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true that. Mm-hmm. Now when Ree's out with all the other random Scar and then the two yeah, goons wandering and all through the, the, the tunnels. The tunnels with Yoki <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> Nothing bad can go wrong. This mm-hmm. time we didn't even see... These chapters we didn't even see Ed Mel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not at all. We saw Ed for like two panels at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Talking about Kimberly's oh, transmutation, transmutation circles. circles. Oh, oh yeah, yes, I totally yes, forgot yes. about that. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we talked about his transmutation circles a long time ago, so... Mm-hmm. We knew. Yeah, we... Yeah, we talked about about it in one of our esoteric bullshit sections. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. esoteric bullshit corner. Yeah, this but uh, Ed told Miles about it this time. I guess mm-hmm. it's different. Yeah, I know. So they were only there very briefly, and then that was it. Yep. Everybody and else. No sign of Al. Oh, and I like Izumi too. I'm glad Izumi came back, mm-hmm. even though yeah. mostly she was being stabbed in the gut by, by yeah. Owen. I'm. Mm-hmm. It was the therapeutic stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they used to say about bloodletting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll see what happens to like Beto next time. That's great. And then all, all our friends who are in the tunnels and whatever. Yeah. I don't have any yeah. other things that I wanted to say this time. Kaza. <laughs> no, I was able to, to interrupt you while you guys were talking earlier. So. Okay, I good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have one last thing that you're going to start with. So. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to talk about how much I still like the, the, the Xerxes arc again, but kind of did mm-hmm. that. You can I, say I'm it one just, more time if you want. I enjoy it. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It's a very satisfying. 
yeah it's a satisfying mm-hmm. origin story that's for sure mm-hmm. and yeah, i feel like I love... it establishes that the homunculus has been like evil from the beginning you know i don't know yeah it's kind of interesting anyway, i love the like path that the story takes with hohenheim because it's like he's yeah. so like weird and off-putting and suspicious like con- connected with the villain at the beginning and you're like i don't know about this guy but like you get all this flashback and that earlier one with him and his family and happier times and I like all of all the things that have happened to him like done against his will basically mm-hmm. like he didn't mm-hmm. want to like live forever he just wanted to get out of the circumstance that he was in as a slave and mm-hmm. and then in the end the monkey was like hey here's a cool body and he was like i don't want this you yeah know? i mean i would say even that that dream of not being a slave was kind of more homunculus than his yeah mm-hmm. like he didn't really care i mean i guess he didn't really see it as an option even maybe because like yeah mm-hmm. was like don't how else are you gonna get out of the slavery thing and say it's a thing yeah yeah so but yeah i mean it's uh, interesting i feel um, like uh i don't know it does seem somewhat genuine but i i think the homunculus also took advantage of him too like yeah, I mean, I think whatever, I think because there's a lot of parallels with him being a slave and the homunculus being trapped in the flask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Hohenheim gave his blood to to birth this creature, so I think there is definitely some sort of relation between the two of them that maybe the homunculus feels, mm-hmm. but um, not quite what a typical human would. You know, still yeah. a little yeah. distorted, a little strange, but. Mm-hmm. it's there yeah yeah it's like even in the the current time he seems kind of like like when the father first meets ed now he's like oh my god it's his kids i didn't know he had kids like he seems mm-hmm. like like almost like whatever passes for happy for him to like <laughs> have heard about his like well, quote-unquote old friend <laughs> yeah well now that's interesting i wonder because you know uh pride talked to wrath about how the humans are rubbing off on him and things yeah. like that. And I mean, in a way, they're part of the homunculus himself. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe Hohenheim rubbed off on him. And that's maybe why he started a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, called himself father. And, and Maybe all that. he needed companionship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, Hohenheim once said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are happy because of their families or whatever. Mm-hmm. They feel connected to their families. Yeah. Like I said, I do think it's there's definitely something psychologically interesting going on in the mm-hmm. fact that he went and created a quote-unquote family, family and calls himself the father, father. of the family mm-hmm. <laughs> yes after having had that after having had that conversation about families with yeah, him so. mm-hmm. <sighs> do you want to say it one more time no 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 <laughs> now i want to talk about spoilers but no we can't i know how dare you i know but it's gonna be so long <laughs> no i know it's only gonna be a couple months all right well let's do it <laughs> <laughs> okay well on that note what are we going to read next time we oh, okay. are Finish going it. what what <laughs> almost done my advice what? what oh did you not hear what I said I said all of it finish it we're going to read the whole thing yeah. seems like a lot to summarize yeah, a lot to write and a lot to say <laughs> yeah I might that would be tiring yeah. <laughs> it's like oh we'll probably to break it into episodes oh just kidding we're going to break it into 12 episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's instead of uh 35 36 37 it's uh 35 part one 35, 35 part two, two. <laughs> <laughs> all the way to 35 part 12 yes <laughs> next week which is episode 35 we will be reading 76 and 77 whoa 
Yeah, yeah. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited. I wasn't shocked. Come on. <laughs> You've been through this so many times. It's called sarcasm. Oh. <laughs> or sarcasm, if you want. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, maybe we'll get to see what happens to Beto or whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get to see. I don't know. Or maybe... Sure, everything will be good. No, I can't imagine that if he's going to Central, that it'll be good. <laughs> no matter what it is, it won't be good. <laughs> but I don't know. Nothing bad will happen to anybody. No, nothing bad usually happens. We nothing can... bad will happen to Ed Ebuddy. <laughs> <laughs> Your pun is also acceptable. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Peace out. <laughs> sir i did it with my own hands dig up the site if you must my bloodstained glove is buried 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 murder oh i thought it was funny i knew it was you izumi says with sig standing stoic sig standing stoically that's kind of a tongue twister sig stands sig stands stoically by the seashore yes